Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. We have to start by building a wall. I'm not going to pay for that wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. I mean, everything's negotiable. It's not negotiable about building said, it. I actually said, no, building it, not negotiable. It's not negotiable. If they ever get up there, they're in trouble. Because there's no way to get down. Maybe a rope. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who once said he doesn't hire black accountants because they're lazy. He wants the people counting his money to be wearing yarmulkes. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Today's show is special for several reasons. First, because we are live at the Republican convention in Cleveland. Second, because we are doing simultaneously a Facebook Live and recording the podcast. This may be a first in the history of media. And finally, because I have a great guest who I'm going to introduce in a minute. But first, let's do the tweets. Crime is out of control and rapidly getting worse. Look what's going on in Chicago and our other inner cities. Not good. I employ many people in the state of Virginia. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Crooked Hillary will sell us out just like her husband did with NAFTA. Despite spending 500000 a day on TV ads alone, crooked Hillary falls flat in nationwide Quinnipiac poll, having zero impact. Sad. Voters understand that crooked Hillary's negative ads are not true, just like her email lies and her other fraudulent activity. The United States looks more and more like a paper tagger. Won't be that way if I win. Okay, my guest today is Anthony Scaramucci. He's the founder and the co-managing partner of Skybridge Capital and the host of Wall Street Week over at Fox Business. He also has his own podcast, right, Anthony, which you can check out. It's called The Motivation Inside. Or TMI. Right, you like that? Yep, good, good, good acronym. I and, just discovered that I can't be an accountant for the Trump organization, but that's okay. Keep going. But I'm I can, sorry. right? Yeah, um, yeah. Anthony, thanks for thanks You're for not joining. You're wearing a yarmulke, so definitionally, you <laughs> actually can't. But that's okay. Let's Thank talk. you for joining me on the show. So we, we don't need to get into all that right away. But first, I want to ask you because I but I follow your stuff, the stuff you write. You wrote a terrific piece in USA Today, which is actually one of the better defenses of Trump I've I've, I've read in a while. Published but, on Monday. On Monday. 
I know a while ago you were not a fan of Trump. You were you said he you thought he was a bully and a political hack. You changed your tune. Why did you come around on Donald Trump? Okay, so let's draw some context so that I think it would be valuable for people. Uh, I started out as a Walker supporter, and this predated Donald Trump's entrance into the presidential campaign. I've known Mr. Trump for about 15 years. I met him through Michael Facitelli, who was the CEO of Ornado Realty, who was my old boss at Goldman Sachs. And so I had a good relationship with Mr. Trump. And I would say that uh, he was instrumental in helping Governor Romney win three or four states, possibly five, due to the robocalls that we did, Jacob, in 2012 into places like Michigan. And so he also did two fundraisers in his apartment, which I attended and helped to aggregate capital for the Romney campaign. So I want to give some context and history. So a good relationship with Donald Trump. But I was already tied into Governor Walker. Uh, Where Donald Trump and I crossed swords is when he was on Fox and Friends at the same time I was on Mornings with Maria, which is the Fox Business Channel. He was railing on the hedge fund industry and he was saying uh, some mean things about the hedge fund industry. And I'm sort of sick and tired of people saying mean things about the hedge fund industry. That's where I live. That's the company that I founded. I've got 85 honest people that work at Skybridge Capital. And I don't like the demonization that takes place about our industry because, yes, as in every industry, there are nefarious players. Uh, there are nefarious players in journalism, maybe a few. There are nefarious players in, uh, in the medical world. And there are certainly nefarious players in my industry. But I don't like every apple in the basket being de- decried rotten by Elizabeth Warren. And so I was cross with him. I, I, I said my piece in a two-minute screed on Mornings with Maria. He teases me about it to this day. So he may have an Italian sort of, uh, <laughs> if we did Ancestry.com on Mr. Trump, maybe he's more Italian than you would think. But, but my, my view of this thing is it was a difference of opinions. He likes having strong people around him. I would say that Rudy Giuliani's not a wallflower. Chris Christie certainly isn't a wallflower. Uh, I'm a New Yorker and not a wallflower. And so my evolution to Mr. Trump was born from my promise my personal promise to the Republican Party and the other presidential candidates that I would eventually back the nominee, the presumptive nominee mm. and the eventual nominee. So when when my guy came out of the race, I was with Jeb Bush out of a personal relationship with Woody Johnson and those guys. OK, those promises were already made by me going back into December of 2014. Mr. Trump told me that he was running for president in March of 2014. 15. And I looked at him in Trump Tower, 26th floor in his office. I said, you're crazy. You're not running for president. He said, what are you talking about? I'm crazy. I'm going to run for president. I said, no, no, no. You got 19,000 square feet upstairs here in Trump Tower, beautiful living quarters. There's probably five or 6,000 square feet of residence in the White House. What do you need that for? Plus, you're going to be in that gilded steel cage. And last time I checked over at LaGuardia, you have a nice, pretty nice plane. Now, it's not Air Force One, but you don't have to take the press along with you on the, on the trips that you're going on. Why do you want to do that to yourself? And what do you say? No, no, no. I'm ready. There's a lot of problems in the country. There's a lot of things that need to be fixed. He started articulating some of his strategy. I had just hired Le- Corey Lewandowski. He's down on the fifth floor. And uh, I'm not going to need money at this point, but I may need money in the future. I want you to join my campaign. I said, well, I'm already obligated to others, and so I can't join your campaign. And this is something I respect about him because he's always treated me very fairly as a result of that honest exchange with him. Uh, And so in 
April of this year, a year after that meeting or 15 months after that meeting, I went to see him. I said, okay, listen, you are, this is right before the Indiana, the Indiana primary. Uh, you're going to be the nominee of the Republican Party. I got a promise to you that I would support you. Tell me what I could do for you. And that's how the evolution uh, came. Okay, so that's a good but story. Let me, let, me just, let me just say this to yeah. you. Have you met a politician that you line up with 100% on? Because I haven't. I, I don't have a perfect ideological fingerprint with any politician that I've met in the 52 years that I've been on the planet. Have you? Uh, no, but I'd probably settle for 80, 90 percent. I wouldn't okay. settle for 20 percent. Okay, wait, but, but actually, Ed, Ed Koch yeah. had a great yeah. line, and I'll share it with your uh, listeners and viewers. Ed Koch said that if you believe nine out of the 12 things I'm saying, vote for me. If you believe 12 out of the 12 things, you need a psychiatrist. <laughs> right. Do you remember him saying that? Yeah, that's a good quote. The point is, come on. Anthony, let's talk about some of the things you really do care about. You mentioned yeah. not liking the beating up on hedge funds and, and Wall Street generally by extension. Yeah. I'm hearing really contradictory <clears throat> messages out of Trump and out of this convention about that. On the one hand, you know, they just put re, re, uh, bring back Glass-Steagall in the platform. There's talk about the banks being too big, too powerful, wanting to rein them in. On the other hand, you still hear this older conservative rhetoric. We want less financial regulation. We want to repeal Dodd-Frank or do it differently. Which side are the Republicans on? Which side is Trump okay, so, on? Does he want, so, does he want b- bigger, more powerful banks or oh, weaker, smaller? banks. Okay, so I've got a reasonable good window into this sort of stuff, so I'll just give you my view. Mm. It may or may not be the campaign's view at this time, but my window into this stuff is that one of the reasons why we wanted the uh, Glass-Steagall stuff in the platform is that what candidate Trump and eventually President Trump is going to do, he's a starting position sort of a guy. Okay, so if you go to our website, DonaldJTrump.com, and look at the tax plan, that is, as he has said publicly, a starting position. He recognizes that he's going to have to negotiate that plan with a Democratic group of people in the House or the Senate. Uh, as it relates to Glass-Steagall, here's what I would say about it. Uh, I don't think you or I or our generation is necessarily smarter than our grandparents or our great-grandparents. And so when Glass and Steagall got together after the debacle in the in the late 20s into the early 30s, they said, okay, let's separate these two functions, the commercial and savings and loan piece from the investment banking piece. Uh, There's a gentleman by the name of Sanford Weil, Sandy Weil, that ran Citibank uh, for many years. He was at Smith Barney prior to that. He's retired now. But in 1999, uh, the Travelers Corporation merged with Citigroup. And one of the things that Sandy Weil wanted to do, and one of your old friends, Bob Rubin, wanted to do, is they wanted to repeal Glass-Steagall. This is going back to 1999. And they got that done. They got that deregulation done. Uh, And then Sandy Weil, 13-plus years later, maybe two years ago, uh, went on a television program and said, geez, we made a mistake with that. We need to put Glass-Steagall back in place uh, because that was a pretty good regulatory rubric to keep us protected from potential banking failures. And so all we're doing is putting it back on the table. If Glass-Steagall comes back in, my guess, and again, this is not the campaign, but this is me personally talking, my guess is that Dodd-Frank gets removed. There will be, in my opinion, a center point line, Jacob, in regulation that is protective of the American consumer, protective of the American capitalist system, but also reins in some of the excesses, some of the excess components of greed. Now, I've been on Wall Street a long time now. This is my 28th year. What have I learned on Wall Street? 
the 10,000-year flood happens every five years. Mm. That's what I've learned. And so I've got propeller heads that come into my office, propeller spinning on the top of their head, and they're telling me how brilliant they are. Those might be Yamalkis. Well, I guess they could be, uh, but, but they've got a propeller too, so let's go with that line. And so the, 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 the bottom line is they're telling me how great they are in risk metrics and risk management. And the truth of the matter is all these things, they converge, and they all look the same once the nightmare hits. And so for me, we got to get into a more protective stance. But at the same time that we have to do that, we have to increase the capital flow in the marketplace. Because if we increase the capital flow, it's restricted right now due to excess regulation. If we increase the capital flow, you'll see more economic growth and more opportunity for the middle and working classes of the country. So, Anthony, you are raising money for Trump. Um, I am. How's that going? How much money have you raised for Trump? Are people giving him money? And Trump doesn't seem to need. You, he needs to think he need, doesn't seem to think he needs to raise you, money. Do you have a check on you, by the way? Because it's, Donald, know, it's Donald, Donald J. Trump for president. So a, I just, you know, if you, you have know, a check if, on if you, if there's a last, the last you know, check you're ever going to get, the, it's going to be the one for me. The, but the, yeah. the, the, you'll the, get, you'll the get. answer. <laughs> just remember, ladies and gentlemen, the answer is always no until you ask the question. <laughs> but I just got to no, know. But that's okay. Uh, yeah, I am raising money for him. I'm out there raising money. We started that process uh, in in late May. Um, and How much I, have you raised? Okay, so I honestly don't know the exact number. I can tell you the reported number was $51 million in June. It was $3.5 million for one fundraiser in May. And so that combined was $54.5 million. We have been raising that money. his own donations or loans to his own campaign? Uh, no, no, no. That's the new money that's been raised. He put in, and you could verify this somewhere, I think it's 48 or $49 million. Don't quote me on that exact number because I don't honestly know it. Uh, but he's also said that he's going to forgive those loans. Uh, there was some nonsense on the Internet saying that, though, he said it, but he hasn't signed the requisite document and all this sort of stuff. He's signing the document. I trust him. I take him at his word on that. But the the money that I'm talking about has been raised since he hired or uh, got Steve Mnuchin to volunteer to be his finance chair. He's a close personal friend of uh, Donald Trump, and he's a terrific guy, by the way. I've gotten to know him over the last six weeks. Uh, very, very talented. He's the Wall Street person other than you who's, who is raising money and supporting yeah, Trump. Yeah, but there right? are other Wall yeah. Street guys. You know, Steve Feinberg from Cerberus is uh, uh, on our list. John Paulson from Paulson & Company on our list. Carl Icahn, Icahn Enterprises, and Carl Icahn himself, his family office. He can, write, he can write a big check. He can write, he can write a big check, and they've a presidential candidate, uh, Recent presidential campaigns have cost more in the range of a billion dollars. Yeah. Does, Trump's been saying he doesn't need that kind of money because of his social media presence, because he's going to run in an unconventional way. How much money do you think are he you needs? Gonna, are you going to have him on Trumpcast? He's he's very welcome. He's it's invited. a standing invitation. He's invited. I'm not holding my breath. You're going to start with the yarmulke and the black uh, uh, people not being able to be accountants. You're going to start with that. That's a good opening line. So I just wondered. We always start. Oh, we always, always start with a with a quote always, from Trump. Yeah. We always start with yeah. something like that. This right. is not okay. Anthony. This is not no, a. No, uh, you no, no. I could, I, this I, is listen, not a totally neutral show. Listen, mm-hmm. I I figured it wasn't neutral, so I figured I would offer some ballast today for your listeners. Yeah. Uh, because I am a supporter. He's going to be president. Uh, and so I got news for your listeners out there. When he is president, it's going to be fine. Okay, he's going to be president for everybody. Uh, and the goal is to make the economy better for everybody and to make the opportunities and the aspirations in the society better for everybody. And so it'll be, it'll be a different sort of a presidency. It'll be a less divided sort of thing that's gone on in the past. This is a consensus-building person. This is a guy who knows how to cut a deal. Uh, he's a wickedly smart guy. 
He happens to be a performer that's prone to some rhetorical flourishes that uh, guys like Trumpcast want to point out. And I get that. And I understand yeah. why you guys do that. And it's okay. But he'll be fine. He'll be a great president. And I hope you'll invite me on Trumpcast 2 after he is president. And we can hash it out whether you like him or not. Well, if I'm doing, if, if he's elected, that means I'm doing the show Canada. a lot long, longer if, than if, if, if Jacob hasn't moved to Canada uh, after I, Donald Trump becomes president, we'll do, the, we'll do the Trumpcast again. I think I'm like Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg thinking about moving to New Zealand. I'm in for the long haul. But let me okay. just ask you, Anthony, yeah. since you brought it up again, yeah. I mean, that was that quote I read at the beginning was in the Washington Post today. Yeah. something he actually acknowledged saying. Yeah. There's a long history of Donald Trump with big and bigotry. I mean, you can say it's it's theatrical. You can say it's a negotiating position, but it's a real thing. And you're a decent guy. I just wonder, do you, how do you defend do you think, that? You think he's a bigot? Oh yes, I do. You do. Okay. I think right. he wants so there's to, our, there's yeah. our there's a difference of opinion that right. you and I have. But mine's about based him. on things he said, and yours is based on things he said okay. to you, okay. which is so no, you know. No, which no, is I don't a, see. I don't. Yeah. I don't see it that way. Okay. And and the American people sort of know this. There's a lot of things that get said sometimes. Uh, that are part of the riposte between people. Uh, if you go on the Howard Stern show, you never think you're going to be president. You're getting egged on by Howard Stern. You have a tendency to subject yourself to some rhetorical flourishes for laughs or other other reasons, okay? But if you talk to the people that work for Donald Trump, or you talk to his children, or you talk to him personally, or you ride the elevators in Trump Tower like I have in the last four or five months and seen the bat, the ethnic bandwidth of the employees and personnel uh, from whatever group you want to talk about, you know, uh, age, gender, uh, ethnic orientation, uh, and you interview those people, I don't think you're going to find too many of those people that think he is a racist or a bigot. Okay, and so I encourage you to do that. But since you already think he's a bigot, and have you met him personally? You spent a lot of time with him. I can't say I have. Okay, so I have. So the thing, so so here's here's the difference. Here's what happens. There's a gigantic arbitrage spread between what people think of him based on what they've read about him and snippets of him in the media world. Uh, and then when people actually meet him, and my wife said this to me, we, we did a fundraiser for him in East Hampton two Saturdays ago at Wilbur Ross's home. And we were coming out of the uh, fundraiser, and my wife turned to me and she said, you know, I wish people could see him in this environment answering the questions, getting a full sentence in about the questions, maybe even a paragraph, uh, so it's not sliced on him and not taken out of context what he's saying. But some things are said in jest. And here's the thing I don't like about the society right now, if I, you don't mind me being in a little bit editorialization. We say some things in jest in the society. We do have ethnic jokes. I have been the butt of ethnic jokes in my life. And I find them humorful. Okay? There's also a show called The Sopranos that was on for 10 years that took every Italian-American stereotype that you could imagine and manifested itself for one full hour on national TV. And I met with the Reverend Al Sharpton one day. I said, hey, what do we do the Jacksons? And we take every racial African-American stereotype, we talk in Ebonics to each other, have spinners on the Escalades, and we shoot at each other with Glocks, and we have a whole prostitution ring going and so on and so forth. Are you guys going to be sore about that? I mean, he admitted that he would be sore about it. But as an Italian-American, you know, I believe in the First Amendment, and I can deal with the fact that we are uh, typecast in shows like The Sopranos, okay? I get the joke. And so, so he's not a bigot and he's not a racist. 
Uh, my guest today is Anthony Scaramucci. He is the founder, co-managing partner of Skybridge Capital and the host of Wall Street I'm Week gonna on Fox Business. I'm going to get the check Business. from Jacob before this thing is over. I'm hoping. An- Anthony, it was great having you on the great show. Great having you. It's Thanks always a pleasure to be with you. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon with an assist from Ayana Morali, Jeff Bloomer, and today, Eamon Ismail. I also want to thank Facebook for providing the studio for us to do this simultaneously as a Facebook Live. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. And thanks, as always, to John Domenico, our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Crooked Hillary Clinton is bought and paid for by Wall Street lobbyists and special interests. She will sell our country down the tubes.